As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Big Ten Football Podcast. It's a Tuesday. It's Big Ten East Day. That means it's me, Bill Landis, here with Audrey Snyder, our Penn State beat writer. I cover Ohio State, and I got a whole lot going on this week. And I think, Audrey, that will probably be the the bulk of this show is us finding as many ways as possible to say we're not totally sure yet what's going to happen with Ohio State and Michigan this week. So welcome back to another We Know Nothing Tuesday with Audrey Snyder and Bill Landis. Is that what you're saying? Actually, that has a much better. We should start our own podcast called "We Know Nothing." Yeah, well, I, I mean, we can't. We don't have to limit it just to Tuesdays, Bill. I know nothing every day. Yeah, we're we're, we're set. And actually, I'm very well suited for that. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan are scheduled to play on Saturday. Uh, it's a big game uh, in in Columbus, Ohio, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. In case you haven't heard, uh, Michigan has or was, I should say, shut down basically all of last week. On Monday morning-ish, afternoon-ish, they announced that they were getting back to limited workouts, so not a, a full practice. But I actually don't know if, if Michigan even practices usually on Monday. I know, I know Ohio State doesn't typically practice <laughs> I thought you were going to say at all. I thought I was going to no, say, wow, well, well wow. Well, the, the, you know, if you look at the results yeah. this year, I yeah. think maybe you could question that. But uh, but no, Ohio State is typically off on Mondays. I don't know how other teams do that. but, but the Penn State, yeah, Penn Monday. State's always off on Mondays as well. So, so Michigan's back to limited workouts and – it feels very similar to the situation that Ohio State was in last week where it, it canceled its game against Illinois, basically took the weekend off, got back to limited workouts on Monday, continued its testing, like ramped up with PCR testing, did it every day, got back to practice on Tuesday, and actually did in fact end up playing Michigan State over the weekend, 152-12, to uh, in a game where it was without 17 scholarship players and like five and a half starters uh, against the Spartans. It didn't seem to matter all that much, so... If Michigan can follow a similar path to Ohio State's last week, then it does seem like uh, the game, the game, will happen on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, what What do you think? It's like impossible to predict, and I would hesitate to even predict it. But just based off like where we're at right now, how do you feel about this game happening? 
I feel like I feel every week in the Big Ten, and that's like right now we have no idea. We know that things can change rapidly. Um, I mean, Penn State, because strangely enough, they've been on the other side of this where they have played seven games in seven weeks, and like you know, they play Maryland. Maryland then has to shut down and have an outbreak. You know, they play Michigan a few days later. Michigan, like Penn State, keeps dodging this somehow, um, which is again, it's a pandemic. We have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but I hope for the sake of Ohio State, I hope for the sake of the game, I hope for the sake of fans that this happens. But Bill, I mean, it's so crazy. Before we started recording the day, I was like, hey, do we know anything about week nine? Because we still don't know yeah. like how this whole, I, what do we call it, a championship jamboree or like whatever the heck this week nine is. We still have n- no idea really what that's going to look like. Well, yeah, it was billed as like East First West Championship Weekend. You just pair teams off as they ended up in the standings. But now, um, and I think this came from Barry Alvarez and, and maybe mm-hmm. Gary Barta at Iowa, it sounds more like they're going to try to make some compelling matchups, which I think makes more sense because if you look at the standings, you're looking at some rematches and no one wants to watch like Penn State and Nebraska play again. God, um, save me, please. <laughs> yeah. So so I think they're going to, and, and plus I think like Minnesota and Wisconsin would like to play each other next week if they can, right. on, on the 19th if they can. So we don't know what that week's going to look like. I, I honestly think they need to wait and see and get through this one first to see what happens. But I, I would imagine if we don't hear anything this week on that, we'll hear something on on Sunday once the Big Ten championship gets settled and, and all the, the rest of the standings are kind of kind of set and then they can sort of pick and choose um, their matchups from there. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't know what that's going to look like. My hope is that it's Ohio State in the Big Ten championship against Northwestern because I think that's what it should be. Um, but as it stands now – on Monday, that the Big Ten has not amended that rule, the six-game minimum six-game requirement. It doesn't sound like they're going to. I, I think they're just kind of hoping that Ohio State can play and it'll take care of itself. If it doesn't happen, Audrey, for whatever reason, if Ohio State and Michigan can't play, do you anticipate they would change that rule, or do you think they'd put Indiana in the Big Ten championship? I think you have to change that rule. I mean, I, I know we talked about this before, and like again, the Big Ten backed itself into a corner with you know redoing this the schedule coming up with this third version of the schedule with no flexibility um again all the models kept showing that the longer you go into the season the worse this pandemic is going to get but the big 10 wanted you know the daily tested the testing the rapid testing uh they got it but still i mean the success i guess is i don't know bill like how do you even determine the success of this season in terms of the big 10 because to me, it's just successful that you're playing. But have there been hiccups along the way? A hundred percent. You know, I, I think you would re-examine. You have to re-examine why you originally put this rule in place, um, because so much of this season was supposed to be about Ohio State getting into the playoff, representing the Big Ten in the playoff. If this is how things shake out, and then you paint yourselves into a corner with this rule and. Yeah, I, I, you got to re-examine it. I, I feel like the rule went in place and none of us knew how difficult it was going to be to try and play this season. We were all like, yeah, this is going to be really hard. It's going to be difficult. But as you see this happening over and over, week after week, go ahead and re-examine it. Plus, Indiana without Michael Penix, like, come on. I just, it's, it's run its course, right? It's just so funny to me that, you know, rewind back to, I guess it was in August, when the Big Ten puts out its Jenga schedule and is bragging about how <laughs> flexible it is and like we're the kings of flexibility, and then they scrap the whole idea and then put a season in place that is more rigid than anything else happening in the sport, both trying to, trying to play nine games in nine weeks, 
putting this arbitrary minimum game requirement on there and then like not changing it when it makes total sense to change it. And then also having the 21 day rule for players who test positive when no other conference in college football or no other sport that's currently playing right now is doing something similar. And I, I just don't understand like taking all of those steps to make this as difficult as possible makes zero <laughs> sense to me. Come on, Bill. Don't try to bring logic into this conversation here. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's been a mess, you know, I think to, to put it kindly and, I mean, I know from at least like the Penn State side of things, um, and I'm sure, you know, we're going to see this all over the place this week, um, but like teams are going to have senior days and I don't even know what that looks like, right? Like, mm-hmm. because guys eligibility wise, they can like, you know, come back if they want. So, so like, I guess you need to have this decision made or like maybe you're introduced on senior day, maybe you're not. I don't even know. Can you even have parents on the field to see their kid on senior day? Like, I'd imagine not. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, you couldn't even have any family members in the big house. So, like, I don't know. um, Pennsylvania, Penn State's been away the last two weeks, so they'll be home this week. Um, I believe they can still have parents in the stands, to my knowledge. But, like, it's just, again, so many layers to this season that, like, here I, you know, I am waiting to see what seniors are going to be introduced when Penn State releases their uh, game notes Monday night. And it's like, oh, well, does this even matter? Like, are, are these legitimately people who are, we know aren't coming back? Um, but yeah, again, Bill, it's 2020. We know nothing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. That's right. Welcome back to We Know Nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Ohio State, I do believe, did, did not did not have anybody in the stands in the Indiana game, but I, I believe they're going to allow at least the senior parents into the stadium on Saturday, assuming they, they play at home and, and play against Michigan. I guess there's a scenario, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Say for whatever reason, Michigan, Michigan tries to give it a go, and then they just come Tuesday or Wednesday, they, they can't do it. Late Tuesday or Wednesday, okay. they just figure they can't do it, and that game gets canceled. And it would be cleaner, I think, if there was another cancellation because then you just sort of swap opponents. Yeah. But Minnesota and Nebraska, it sounds like, are going to play this weekend. Minnesota, which has not played the last two weeks, is trending towards playing. So there's not, at least yet, that other like imminent cancellation that could make this cleaner. If Ohio State-Michigan is the only game that's canceled, would you like to see them rework the schedule to get Ohio State a game if they're not going to change that six-game requirement? I would like to see them get them a game, but I don't know. I guess <laughs> who are we taking out of the equation, Bill? Well, Rutgers plays Maryland, um, mm-hmm. and I think you know you could tell you could tell Rutgers basically like you're not playing this week. Ohio State can make up its game <laughs> at Maryland, and then Rutgers and Maryland can can rekindle the the East Coast rivalry on the December nineteenth weekend. Rutgers, we've seen enough. Sit this one out. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I mean, like someone, I guess someone has to has to take a seat for Ohio State to get to the Big Ten championship. I don't know, and like who who would put up the like who which program could you do that to where you get the least amount of blowback? And I think the answer is probably Rutgers. Yeah, because it's definitely not Nebraska. We we know it's that definitely not. It's definitely not Nebraska. Yeah, the, the fighting Scott Frost would not stand for that. But Although yeah, it would be a fitting bit of retribution from the Big Ten to do that to Nebraska, which oh, sued the Big Ten back in August. I would I would love to be a fly on the wall though for that hypothetical conversation, Bill. If if you call up, you know, you're Kevin Warren and you call up the school, hey, really sorry, but we're gonna need you to forfeit your game this weekend and not play because we gotta get the Buckeyes into the playoff and we've seen enough. Like, I mean, how yeah. do you even start that conversation? Like, <laughs> we're sorry you stink. You yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe they'll let us make the call. I'll make that call. I don't know. Greg Shiano can get pretty fiery. I don't know if I'd want to call him. The yeah. funny thing is the president at Rutgers was like very much not interested in playing football this year. So maybe he'd be on board with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you got to like have a direct line in there. I feel like, yeah, that's something that probably takes us back to August where you can talk to the university presidents and then they can tell us whether or not they voted or didn't vote or talk to their ADs. Um, yeah, really just been a banner few months for the, for the big 10 um, I just, we're, we're inching toward the finish line, Bill. We, I mean, again, we don't know how any of this is going to look, but my God, that would be pretty hilarious if you say to Rutgers, sorry, you're not playing this week. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be Rutgers. It could be somebody else, but Rutgers was the first team that came into, I mean, popped, Penn, into Penn State's played, you know, they've played all seven games, which again, I believe only, only four teams, I think in the big 10 that have played all seven thus far, I think. Um, and so, I mean... Do you say, hey, Penn State, Michigan State, we've, we've seen enough from you two as well? You can't put the land-grant trophy on yeah, ice. I mean, that's yeah, you, you certainly can't do that. you got to give the people what they want. Uh, I like that idea, though. I mean, I would I would like to see more from Maryland. I think we all would. They were hot way back when, when they came into Happy Valley and steamrolled Penn State. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, good luck. I guess, Bill, if we've learned anything in 2020, which, I, I mean, I don't know. If we've learned anything, I think it's that all of these future series that are done 30 years in advance are unnecessary, which I could have told you that before 2020, but this is just cemented it. If you can change schedules around in a week's time, you don't need to line up these home and homes for decades from now. Yeah, I mean, the SEC did it. I mean, the SEC, I I don't believe, took games away from anybody, but the SEC rearranged its schedule, I think, so that like Alabama and LSU could play last week. The ACC basically just told Notre Dame and and Clemson, go ahead and take a week off. We'll see you guys for the ACC title game, which was very very nice of the ACC to do for two of its playoff hopefuls. So I don't know. I I think the Big Ten is within its rights to do, do the same thing now. I'm sure there are people listening to this who aren't Ohio State fans who are screaming at me saying this is dumb. Like there's a rule in place, Ohio State should adhere to the rule. And like I guess I disagree because the rule was trivial to begin with. There was no reason to put it in place. So like scrap it and get your best team to the Big Ten Championship, that the one that earned the right to go there to the Big Ten Championship, and then give that team a chance to represent your conference in the playoff, and then your school and all the other schools can enjoy the financial windfall that comes with that. Like it nope. benefits everybody yeah. for Ohio State to go to the play. It benefits everyone in the Big Ten for Ohio State to go to the playoff. Yeah, you got to milk that cash cow while you can. That's right. That's right. Um, I would selfishly like to see Penn State or excuse me Ohio State play Maryland because I still have some lingering questions about Ohio State's defense that certainly mm-hmm. weren't answered by playing against Michigan State. Um, but I would rather see the gameplay. Like I really, it's funny. Like, and I'll, I'll ask you about this too because you're not as close to it as I am. But what as you as I covered Ohio State since 2014, like 
the Ohio State Michigan game has like almost become more of a punchline than it has like a thing that you look forward to and like revere every year. But but I really love it. Like it's it's my favorite thing that I cover every year, and I almost feel like privileged in a way to get to cover that game because of the history associated with it. So I really like it, and and I appreciate the sort of the sentimental value of it, while acknowledging that the playoff sort of rules over everything right now. But like, how do you view the Ohio State Michigan game? Does it hold any luster for you still, or or is the fact that Ohio State has kind of run up, run Michigan mm-hmm. off the field the last few years taken anything away from it? I'll watch it when I can, which usually like I'm in a press box. I mean, some usually Bill well it was with the Lane Grant Trophy game. Typically, um, I would be locked in on that big time rivalry game normally while the game was going on that's right um you know as a college football fan you you like to watch it you love to watch the rivalry games that's what makes this sport so great and so compelling um but yeah i mean it's certainly lost a lot of the gusto with it you're exactly right it's become a punchline um i don't know bill is this the last time we see harbaugh coaching in the game well, we're waiting on some on some Jim Harbaugh related news, which I will ass- I'm assuming is going to be like a contract extension. Okay, um, that was like teased by by John U. Bacon, who's very mm-hmm. like plugged in with the program there. But but Nick Baumgartner and Austin Meek, uh, who cover Michigan for us, uh, have also alluded to to something being imminent in terms of Jim Harbaugh. I'd be pretty surprised if it was a mutual parting of ways. I would I would assume that it's an extension. Um, it would be a hell of a thing to announce an extension and then go play Ohio State when no one thought you were going to play in the first place and you're a 30-point underdog and then the game looks that way. That would be uh, not great. Um, the timing is a little little curious on this, but uh, I do not anticipate that this will be Jim Harbaugh's last matchup with Ohio State, but I do kind of anticipate that it will go very much like the last two games, if not worse, when you look at yeah. the fact that Ohio State's a 30-point favorite in this game, which is absurd in this rivalry. Maybe it's a khaki sponsorship deal. Maybe. Dockers. It's just a press release from Dockers saying we've signed Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It could be. Uh, that's interesting. I um, I just I wonder long term for them because I think you're exactly right with this weekend and the game. Um, I don't see it getting any closer. I think you look at, you know, from my perspective, we always talk about Penn State and Ohio State and trying to close that gap for the Nittany Lions and they've struggled to do it. And now they're farther behind than they you know have been the last few years. It's the same thing with Michigan, you know, like you're, you're not getting any closer to, I, I don't even want to say beating Ohio, Ohio State. Let me say that three times. You're not even getting any closer to beating Ohio State. You're at this point right now where you're just seemingly, you're lagging behind. I get it. Rivalry games typically can be difficult to pick um, because you want to say, okay, yeah, sure. Records, throw them out the window. They don't matter. But I don't see that changing anything in this game, Bill. Am I? Is there something I'm missing here? Like, is there, is there some rallying spirit that comes to you know to Ann Arbor this week, and they say, okay, we're gonna get up for this game, we're gonna go play Ohio State and give them everything we have and do this one for Jim Harbaugh? Like, I I don't get that sense. But again, I'm not close to that program at all. So, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Michigan has certainly historically played spoiler to Ohio State. So if that were to happen, it wouldn't be the first time. But with the way these two yeah. programs are trending in very opposite directions, um, I have a hard time seeing that. Plus, we, we if if when Michigan State can play, they're going to be shorthanded. We're not exactly sure how shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State was shorthanded against Michigan State. But I think they're going to get some of those guys back. For the Michigan game, and then uh, others will, won't be available until the week after, based on the the COVID rules with positive tests and contact tracing and all that stuff. It sounds like they're expecting to get 
some of those guys back that they were missing. I'm not sure exactly who because Ohio State doesn't release that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about like close to full throttle Ohio State maybe against a, a pretty short, possibly pretty shorthanded Michigan yeah. team. And that's two programs where there's already a gulf between them in terms of the talent level. Um, it could get ugly. But I also think that it, it wouldn't surprise me totally if Michigan keeps it within like 20 and it's like a little closer than people might think it is just based on that 30. Because I think the 30-point spread is the highest there's ever that's ever existed in the rivalry. It's pretty crazy to have that big of a spread between two, between two teams like this. That is that is insane. Um, you know, I the one memory I do have about the game, um, going back a few years, Penn State, of course, is playing their big game, their land-grant trophy game in Beaver Stadium. Uh, this is the 2016 team that uh, obviously upset Ohio State. But watching the game unfold while the land-grant trophy is like still in the locker room where it belongs out of sight, um, but just watching that game unfold and watching Penn State fans scoreboard watch, they actually put it on the big video boards at Beaver Stadium. Um, and then, of course, the game ends. Penn State goes on, beats Michigan State. Lane Grant Trophy gets wheeled out on the field. I watched two players look like they're about to throw their back out, lifting this trophy up. Um, and that, to me, Bill, was about as good as it got around here um, in 2016. That was a, a peak moment for the Nittany Lions for the Lane Grant Trophy. Uh, and for scoreboard watching. So, I mean, obviously <laughs> not the same ramifications by any means this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think for everybody, everybody benefits when that game is competitive, right? I mean, yeah, sure. the sport benefits, the conference benefits, the division benefits. You can sell that more so on the recruiting trail. Um, nobody likes seeing these one-sided games, and that's where – Pretty much everybody else is at with Ohio State right now. Everybody's still trying to chase them. And again, I guess Bill, if we've learned two things in 2020, I guess I second thing here, um, nobody in this conference is any closer to Ohio State than they were a year ago. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What about Indiana? Well, when they're healthy, maybe, but I mean, that's a big if right now, Bill. Um, I guess, yeah, sure. You know, I can retract that. Any teams that I was thinking of not named Indiana, (laughs) i.e. Michigan and Penn State, uh, are not any closer to it. But yeah, yeah, I don't want to trounce on the Hoosiers because they uh, they were a lot of fun when they were at full health. um, And I would like to see more Indiana next year in 2021. Well, Indiana, let's move on from, from Ohio State to Michigan um, before we wrap up the, the show here. Indiana did get uh, a pretty impressive win, I thought, uh, on Saturday, playing at Wisconsin without Michael Penix. Jack Tuttle steps in at quarterback, throws two touchdowns. Indiana wins 14-6 to against a, a top-25 team in Wisconsin. Um, Indiana, in the last or the, the first two rounds of the playoff rankings, has been ranked number 12 behind a two-loss Oklahoma and for some reason, Miami is number 10. Like, I don't know why Miami is sitting there at number 10 other than to prop up Clemson's resume. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I thought that Indiana going on the road without its starting quarterback and beating a pretty good Wisconsin team, a Wisconsin team that the committee clearly likes because they had them ranked despite only playing three games and losing one of them, uh, was really impressive. And I think Indiana should be a top 10 team. Do you think Indiana is going to be a top 10 team when the playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night? Uh, um, again, full disclosure, we're recording this Monday night. Um, I hope so, Bill, for their sake. But I, I think, too, it's like, how do you gauge that team when you it's without Michael Penix, right? Like, are we supposed to yep. try to project and forecast long term uh, with them or not? And that's it's such an unfortunate situation for them. Because they've been such a great story this year, they're playing. We're playing really, really well. Um, I hope they're top ten, but again, I feel like if you're going to nudge somebody out, I feel like you nudge Indiana out um, because you then try to hedge it and say, "Oh well, you know, like y- you can politely say, well, you don't have to say anything because it's college football, but you don't need to disclose all your details here." But um, I think you can then kind of curtail it by, you know, making the point of, "Hey." without your starting quarterback. We saw what you could do with Michael Penix, uh, but without him, the road gets a little tougher. But yeah, I guess, well, I don't want to step on the toes of our other colleagues here on the big football show later in the week, but what in the world's wrong with Wisconsin? Yeah, that was um, that was surprising. Um, and Indiana's defense is, is good, but mm-hmm. but it was another it was another Indiana game where if you looked at the box score and just like the yardage, um, you would and then saw the final score, you'd be surprised. It's kind of kind of similar to the game against Penn State. Uh, Wisconsin did not move the ball to the same extent that Penn State did, but they almost doubled them up in yardage and and didn't score a touchdown. And it's like what Indiana does. Indiana is like, with uh, the exception of the Penn State game or the Ohio State game when it threw for a million yards on Ohio State's defense, the mo for Indiana has been be opportunistic, turn turnovers into touchdowns. They did that against Wisconsin. Uh, be really good in the red zone. They didn't allow Wisconsin to score in three trips to the red zone uh, and, and play solid defense. Uh, and that's what they did. And I, I actually think I almost disagree with you a little bit because in, in theory, you're not supposed to project ahead. And and I thought that once Michael Penix went down, like the view on Indiana would change. But the fact that they did lose Michael Penix and still won out and beat Wisconsin, I actually like think works very heavily in their favor. And we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think before maybe Indiana played Ohio State, maybe it was right after, whether or not Indiana was going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. And and they still play Purdue and then whatever they matchup they get on December 19th. But if they win both of those games, I think Indiana should go to a New Year's Six Bowl, even if they don't have their starting quarterback. It's almost more impressive to keep winning once you lose that guy. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I mean, it, it's a testament, I think, to the entire team that you have and not just, you know, the the star power, so to speak, when, when you're able to win like that. Um I guess, too, because I know a lot of people have been asking about bowl projections and in the Big Ten, uh, who's going to go to bowl games? And I've been getting asked a lot, you know, can Penn State get to a bowl game? And if they get to a bowl game and they if they win out and get to a bowl game and win, uh, they can, you know, get back to 500, which seemed improbable two weeks ago. And it's just, I mean, Bill, again, because we know nothing in 2020, um, this whole bowl slate, you look at it and you're thinking, okay, Ken, I mean, you truly, as much as I hate, hate this coaching cliche, you got to go one week at a time. Um, you can't project anything right now. So, you know, while the playoff rankings are meaningful, while they're very, very important, while they're fun, again, I mean, we still don't know how the Big Ten's going to handle Ohio State. I mean, it's just there's so many factors at play this year. Let me ask you this, and um, kind of off that, and we can mm-hmm. wrap up on on this question. And it's not 
I don't think any Penn State fan was even contemplating the the idea that we'd be talking about the Penn State program in, in these terms at this point in James Franklin's tenure. But say they are able to finish five and five. They win they win the rest of the games. Um, they go to a bowl game, they win and finish five and five. Does that mean anything for Penn State moving forward considering how this this season started? Because I would like looking at it from an outside mm-hmm. perspective, part of me would be I don't know if impressed is the right word, but but I think it would be a good sign for James Franklin that he did not lose his team and was able to kind of rebound and finish 500 in a very weird year. Well, Bill, some of the current bowl projections that I have seen, uh, including on CBS Sports, project Penn State going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, I I don't, but maybe I'll get a cool T-shirt out of it if they do. Um, You know, I I think it it would absolutely be a positive uh, in a season where there haven't been many positives for the Nittany Lions. I think you look at uh, the way I've kind of been viewing the, the rest of this season since about probably week five for Penn State is what can we learn about this team now that we're going to maybe see in 2021? Uh, because you got to look toward the future because this was, was not the season anybody expected. Um, yes, you could build some momentum. You'd have a nice little win streak going there to try to ride off of into next year. But the thing that concerns me, and the reason why I say, yes, it's a positive, but I have some pause with it, is what they're asking their quarterback to do right now. Or should I say quarterbacks? Because now they're they're using two quarterbacks with Sean Clifford being the starter and Will Levis coming in as a battering ram off the bench. Um, what they're doing gives me concern about the future because we're not seeing what either of these quarterbacks can do with moving the ball down the field. We're just having them come in as game managers right now. Um, and that to me, we saw it against Rutgers and these last two games, I want to see them, you know, take some chances, you know, Hey, you're two and five, right? Like try to build as much toward the future as you can. They're running the ball really well right now. That's good. That's important. That matters, you know, beyond 2020, But to me, the passing game still has a ways to go. Um, And unless you can make strides these next few weeks with that passing game, then I'm still going to be, I'm going to be really concerned heading into 2021. So yes, five and five, if everything aligns, would be important. But to me, then how do you look at five and five carries a lot of weight, if that makes sense. No, I, I think that does make sense, and I, and I think it's a, it's an interesting storyline to follow as the Big Ten season starts to wrap up here. Um, but but obviously the most interesting is what the heck is going to happen with Ohio State, and we don't know that yet. So we'll leave you on that cliffhanger, I suppose, and keep listening to the Big Football Show uh, the rest of the week as we get a little more clarity on what's happening with Ohio State and Michigan, what may be happening in terms of Ohio State's ability to play in the Big Ten Championship. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday show with Audrey and I. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Leave, leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Two weeks left in the Big Ten season. It's been a wild one. Audrey and I will talk to you next week. Audrey and I will talk to you next week.